Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Daniel Hagen. Praise God. All right, we're going to get into the Word of God this morning. So who's excited about that? Hey. Good, 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 good. We get excited when we worship. Often we'll lift up our high praises and because we love the presence of God and we're singing the word too. But I think it's important that we get just as passionate and just as excited when it comes to the word of God and teaching and unpacking the scriptures and the Holy Bible. Amen. A lot of people have died, literally martyred for their faith, for trying to get the Bible to us, uh, even translated in English, in our language. And uh, it would be an absolute devastating thing to know that in this era, in this time that we're in, that we would allow another type of attack like apathy to stop us from reading the Bible. Crazy stuff if we'd allow that. So I want to encourage all of us to be passionate about the Word of God and uh, at least for our forefathers' sake, if not for anything else, that we would open our Bibles and continue to read and study the Scriptures. And ultimately, when you're studying the Word of God, what you're actually doing is you're opening up your heart to the one who loves you. The Word of God is there. It's like a love letter. It's there to lead you into a closer, deeper, experiential relationship with God. Amen. And when you're looking at the Word of God, you're actually looking at the face of Jesus because He is the Word of God. Amen. And this is the generation that will seek His face, right? When you say to the person next to you, you're in the generation. You don't have to say it like, yeah, like you can if you want. Um, That'll seek your face. Like his face, I mean, like, yeah. Glory to God. Okay, this is good. It's a good feeling. The 11 o'clock crew are hungry. I can sense it. I can sense it. All right. So we're going to go into the message. The title of the message is Love the Church. This is hopefully going to be more of a teaching rather than a preaching although often the two will uh, flow together. And uh, like I said earlier to our 9 a.m. crew, if I start getting over this side, that's when you know that I'm getting off track a little bit. And uh, so I want you to encourage me to get back to the notes because I do want to stay on the notes this morning as much as possible because I believe this is a prophetic teaching and I need to stick to the notes because I want you to understand it. Is that okay? Love the church. That's the title. And uh, we're going to go to the first point straight away, and that is that church is God's idea. Okay, so write that one down. Church is God's idea. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. I would love that to be on the big screen if we can. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Here we go. Does everyone have their Bibles this morning? Give us a wave if you do. And uh, hands up if you don't. What about it? Um, do you have it maybe on your, on your phone or something like that? Yeah? Good. So this is, these days you're allowed to have like your phones on in church because most of us have got it on uh, phones or on iPads. All right. If you don't have it, naughty. You should have it. But we're going to help you today. Amen. We've got it behind us. All right. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. 
I am joking, but I'm kind of not at the same time. I, I just thought about that because it is important because I can make mistakes. Do you know what I mean? So if you're just listening and just and listening to what I'm saying and believing it, it's a good thing like to you know esteem the teacher, but at the same time, we need to check everything against the Word of God. Okay, so that's why it's important that you read it, that you have it. Like, we'll put this up, but it's important while you're reading it to kind of look around it at the context as well and make sure I'm not just kind of making stuff up, all right? Because uh, we honor teachers, we love, you know, I've got favorite teachers around the world, and sometimes I'll check stuff out on YouTube, and, but at the end of the day, they are not my final authority, the Word of God is. Everything we do must be based in the Word of God. People get it wrong all the time, and I certainly will, and I've had to correct many things over the years. Um, so that's why it's a safe thing if you'll know the Bible yourself. Amen? If you're with me this morning, give us, give us an amen. amen. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter. This is Jesus speaking to Peter. This is just after the revelation that Peter had. And he announced and declared who he believed Jesus was. That he is the Messiah, he is the, the Christ, um, the Islamic faith believed that he's just a prophet, the traditional Jewish faith believed that he was a fraud, uh, some weird sects of uh, Christianity, they're not Christianity, for example, uh, Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons believe the identity of Jesus is different, some some of those guys say that he's an angel, like a brother of Michael the Archangel. If you look deep into their theology, it's pretty bizarre and twisted. Stay away from there. Okay, it's probably important that you have an answer if they knock on your door too for why you don't want to follow that sect. Okay. Um, and uh, But the Bible declares that Jesus is more than a good teacher, more than a prophet. Jesus is God. When you say the person next to you, Jesus is God. John 1, 1 talks about that. John 1, 14, the Word became flesh, dwelt among us. God, what if God was one of us? Well, He was at one stage there. Okay, glory to God. Jesus was when He was in His earthly form. Now He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And now He's given us His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, who's not a mystical force. The Holy Spirit is also God. Is a person, has feelings, can be grieved, can be quenched. The Holy Spirit's here now with us. Amen? I love the Holy Spirit. All right, so Matt 16, 18, this is what Jesus said to Peter in regards to the church. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church... And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. You'll notice here in the New King translation, New King James version, that they have correctly, for some of you English gurus, you might be looking at that sentence thinking, why have they put a capital M in the middle of a sentence under the my area? But the reason it's a capital is because Jesus is God. Whenever there's deity involved, there's a, a capital letter. So what Jesus is saying in reference to the church is that he will build his church. Why is that important? The church is not 
man's idea. It's God's idea. Why is that important? Because uh, we have to do it His way. And we shouldn't put the church down. We should be very careful when we're speaking against the church. The church is also described as the bride of Christ. There's an intimate love that Jesus has for the church. And I believe we should have that same love for one another. Because ultimately the church is not these four walls and not this roof. It's us. The people are the church. Amen. And God wants to build us as individuals. So I'll read that again. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The church belongs to Jesus, and he's going to build it. We plant, we water, but he brings the increase in us as individuals and collectively in this body, in this local church, the wider church, this city church, the national church, the wider church, all the denominations together. We might be in different denominations, different leadership structures, but we're all one. Amen? And Jesus said that he's going to build his church. I think this is important, particularly today, considering that this is our first time that we're now moving to double services. For those that don't know, we have a 9 o'clock service now and 11 o'clock service now. We didn't do that for convenience, to give people more options. We did that because we know that Jesus doesn't just want to maintain his church Jesus doesn't want to just manage his church or be content with his church. It says that he will build his church. And so we want to create more space for him to be able to build his church. I feel really excited. I'm I'm a pioneer. One one of my gifts is pioneering. I have a passion for pioneering. And so this morning I'm standing here and I had that same early pioneering sense when uh, we, we had a pretty even split by the way which is great the only church split you want is uh <laughs> is to be able to do it so that we can create more seats amen say the person amen church splits not good uh and so we uh we've created more seats and and i remembered the time in when we first moved in here that we would as a leadership team during the week we'd be praying over all the back seats because only the front part that was full when we first moved in we're praying over the back seats. Say, God, fill these seats with beautiful people. Touch them, Lord. We want you to be able to impact this city, Lord God, with the broken, with the lost, to come in and encounter your love. And that prayer began to get answered. And actually, many of you sitting here, uh, because of those prayers that were prayed during the week, and many of your lives have been impacted and changed. And, and in fact, whole families have been saved. And phenomenal things have taken place as a result of prayer. So now, it's really cool because as an 11 o'clock group, we now have a responsibility for that back area of, of the church. We're going to be praying for our family, for our friends. Our street team are active and at it. I just heard uh, amazing testimonies uh, from Friday night of our street team being out there consistently praying for the sick, preaching the gospel. Uh, I heard that there was a great turnout. The, the streets were flooded with Christians and people were getting hit from all different angles with the gospel which is great. It's, it was, the Word of God's a two-edged sword. They were getting cut and sliced and diced, and, and, uh, and we need that. Amen? We need to pierce the heart. The gospel's the power of God under salvation. So it's our responsibility now to fill this place again. And just so you know, in the background, we're also working on a larger building, because ultimately I would like one big space rather than to have to have a couple of services, all right? So we're looking at a really cool place at the moment. Keep us in prayers. It's way too early to say anything, 
but please keep us in prayers because uh, it's starting to look a little more serious. The price tag's very serious. We want to buy it, but uh, so keep us in prayer, okay? But ultimately, that's like a couple of years, a couple of years away. We hope we're working towards that. So, some, I want to hover around this scripture probably more than any other scripture this morning. Uh, bring some points out that are very important in in terms of the church, defining the church, and loving the church. So I want to unpack something that Jesus said. And if you just look at this scripture at first glance, potentially you could come to the conclusion that Jesus is saying that he's going to build the church upon Peter. If you just look at that. Peter, like, because he had the revelation, Peter's the special one and God's going to build his church upon Peter. Now, unfortunately, the Catholic church, the Roman Catholic church, I believe have mistakenly misread this scripture. Now, you guys know I love the Catholics. We work with the Catholics big time. They helped us out in Prague. So it's not a diss on them, but we're just having a conversation with us in, in, in regards to understanding the scriptures. In fact, we had a letter from Pope Francis thanking us for the work that they did. So I, I love the Catholics, but I do want to say I believe that they greatly missed have missed this scripture and the understanding of it. Uh, Peter is, certainly should be esteemed, but he was one of the apostles. One of the apostles. He's not some supreme apostle. He was one of the apostles. And the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. But ultimately, the church is built upon not a man who's fallible, who makes mistakes, built upon Jesus. All right, we're going to unpack that a little bit more right now. So, Jesus here was saying, and it's really interesting, it's a play on words. He's saying, to you that to you are Peter. Now that word Peter, if you look at the original language, the Koinone Greek language, or the old school language, the word Peter is Petros. Okay? That's the English equivalent or how you would pronounce it in Koinone Greek. Petros. And it's literally translated small rock. Okay? Why is that important? We'll have a look at the sentence. And on this rock. So he's saying, Peter, little rock, on this rock, I will build my church. So he's saying, Peter, little rock, upon this rock. Now this word here, rock, in the original language is not Petros. It's a very similar coin in Greek word but it's Petra. Okay, so Petros is small rock, Peter. Petra is mass rock, big rock. Rock. (laughs) Uh, For those that were around in the 70s, 80s, 90s, it was a bit before my time, but I heard Petra were a great rock band, a Christian rock band, and now you know where they got their name from. Okay? Petra is mass rock, and Jesus is referring to himself as that mass rock. He's the rock of all ages. He's the chief cornerstone. The church is not built on uh, Peter primarily, although he's a founding stone. It's built on Jesus. Amen? So he's saying here, Peter, little rock, on this mass rock himself, I will build my church. So God's going to build his church. Jesus is going to build his church. We need to love the church because the church is, is 
not ours, it's His. And if we love His, then we love His church. You can't separate the two. Amen? Ecclesia is the word in the coin. We're doing a little Greek study today. When you say the person next to you, you're going to learn some Greek today? Ecclesia is the church, is the, is the word for church. It features 114 times in the New Testament. And here is the first time that we see it featuring in the New Testament. Okay, so really important if we're going to unpack the definition of the church, we look at the first time that Jesus talks about it or uses the word ecclesia or church. It's comprised of two Greek words, ek, which means out from and to, and kaleo, which means to call. In other words, the word literally means the called out, and of course, in the context of Jesus and his church, it means the called out of the world and to Jesus. It has two-pronged meaning. So it's called, you've got to be called out of something and to something. Okay, so it means to be called out of darkness, out of the world, out of the worldly system, out of the reign of the God of this world, little g, God, the devil, out of his reign, out of darkness, out of sin, and into his light, to Jesus. Amen? And so hopefully most of us here today are in the ecclesia. We've been called out of darkness and into his light. If you're not called out of darkness and you're still in darkness, you're still in the right place. Because Jesus is going to get you this morning. He loves you. He's going to pull you out of darkness. Amen? And uh, you can come out of darkness at no cost. You don't need to go through a whole lot of rituals, religious rituals to come out of darkness. It's by faith and by grace that you can inherit and obtain salvation. Isn't that good news? Glory to God. Let's give Jesus some praise for that. So ecclesia, we're looking at the church. We're looking at how important the church is to Jesus. That was number one. Number two, you can write this one down. It's important that we understand uh, the church, that we unpack the definition. We look at the, how Jesus taught about the church. Uh, but I want to give you a prime reason today for God wanting you to understand how important the church is. It's for his sake, yes, but it's also for your sake. And this is going to be really powerful, okay? This is a part of the benefit of being a part of his church, understanding his church, the importance of it, loving his church, and what happens when you love the church. Check this out. Psalms 92.13. Why don't you flip there now? You guys okay? Psalms 92.13. interesting of doing these days by the way isn't Charles doing a great job and the team that's taken on the mantle for the leadership of this house doing a wonderful job yeah you can give them a clap for sure and so for some of you may or may have not realized that I've been released to um, to help direct the Awakening Australia this year and so a lot of my role has been itinerant during the week and traveling all over the place and connecting with all different churches and I love that God has got me doing that, but something has happened to me over the last 14 years where I love the local church so much. I love it. In fact, that began, it happened as soon as I was born again. I fell in love 
with the church. So when we do our work with Awakening Now, it's not separate from the church. It's not we just go and blow up these, do these events, and it's separate from the church. We, we do it to serve the local church. Without the local church, things will fall down. And, uh, and so, in fact, we won't put an event on if the local church is not buying in. If we're not working through the local leaders of the local churches, then a lot of that stuff is just going to fizzle out because it's the local church's role to disciple, to train, to equip. And so it's very, very, very important. Jesus loves the church. I want you to be passionate about the church. The church is an amazing thing. But have a look at the benefits of, of loving the church and, in fact, being planted in the church. Psalms 92.13 says, Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Everyone say flourish. flourish. Say to the person next to you, you can flourish. If you'll be planted in the house of God. What is it to be planted? We're going to look at that a little later. But I want to take us to Hebrews 10.23. Lots of scripture this morning. As I said, it's more of a teaching. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hopes without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Everyone say, hold fast. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So we need to hold fast the confession. We need to stir one another up. These are all things that will happen if you'll be planted in the house of God and you'll be active in the house of God. In fact, verse 25 makes it really clear. The author writes, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Everyone say, don't forsake the assembly. Another word for church, if you unpack it, if you study it, You'll find that you'll see the word congregation representing church, assembly representing church, the body of Christ representing church, uh, living stones representing church. Uh, we're a family, we're a community, we're also an army. Everyone say we're an army. We're a family and we're an army. That's why Jesus said when he was teaching about the church, when he was talking to Peter, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail. They'll try to prevail, but they won't prevail. So we need to work together. We're not some loose, rambling mess. Amen? We're connected. We're fitly framed together. We're an army, but we're a family. Uh, all of these different words to help describe what the church is. And verse 25 says that we should not forsake the assembly of the brethren or the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, even more in these last days, there's so much deception. In the latter days, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That's what Paul said to Timothy. The Spirit expressly says, so that's why it says, even more so in these last days, don't forsake the assembly. I learned the hard way and the good way how important this scripture is. My mom and dad were here earlier in the earlier service. We as a family, my dad had an encounter with Jesus at the age of 24. I was three years old. He was on a market garden. 3 a.m. in the morning, it was dark. He said, everything lit up. And he heard the audible voice of God. In fact, Jesus was looking at him while he was on this tractor and said, Tony, I've called you to be my soldier. 
radical encounter. Goes home, tells my mum. While he's telling my mum, a dude comes knocking on his door. Actually, he was a pastor, but I, when I get excited, I say the word dude. He was definitely a dude in my book. I thought, I, th- I think he's amazing. Knocking on doors. He wasn't a Jehovah Witness. He was a pastor wanting to reach out to his community, led of the Spirit to go and knock on this door. My father had just had this crazy encounter on the market garden. And now there's a pastor knocking on the door saying, hey, just felt to come and knock on your door. If you ever want to know about the Bible, if you ever want to know about Jesus, we'd love to share with you. Follow the Spirit, man. That guy's leading of the Spirit has changed our family and generations now. That one knock on the door, push through his fear, push through the weirdness, the intimidation, the fear of man broken. Push through that to give our family the the gospel. I'm so grateful. Come back week after week after week with Bible studies in our house. The Bible's powerful, man. What we're doing here is so powerful. It affects generations. But around nine years in, they experienced a church split. Because how many people know church is beautiful? It's God's idea. But as long as we're involved in it, it's not going to be perfect. When you say to the person next to you, you're not going to find a perfect church. We're going to try our best, but we're not perfect. God is. In heaven, it's perfect. Not here. We're still in this flesh. We're the enemy trying to attack us nonstop. He won't prevail. He's trying. It's a good fight of faith. Amen. So my parents, that nine years later, are now involved in a church split. Bad stuff went on. Crazy stuff, stuff that I'm not going to bore you with today, but stuff that you wouldn't want anyone to go through. And they left the church. Initially, they they were just going to have some time away. And they even checked out a few other churches. But things happened, and they, they found it difficult to deal with the pain. And they left for a long time and a decade we went around the mountain and, and Satan smashed our family up. So I know why the author is saying don't forsake the assembly. I've experienced it. I know how important the local church is for family and what can happen if you don't, if, if you allow the enemy to deceive you to get out on your own. Who do you think the wolf's going to attack when he sees the sheep? It's the one out on its own, right? That's what the enemy wants you to do, get you out on your own. Get your wavering in your faith, like it says here. Get your forget, forgetting about eternity and the day approaching. Forgetting why you're on this earth. We don't have long. I just went to come back from my uncle's funeral. We don't have long. Some of us 70, 80 years, 90. Some of us less. We're on this earth. We can't preach the gospel in heaven. We can't advance the kingdom. We can't build the church. Or we're up there. We can here. Amen. And this is relevant not just to here. You are the church. Everywhere you go, you're the church. Amen. So he wants you planted so that you'll flourish. Number three, find your place. Be fitted together. It's better together. Amen. Trust me better together you'll flourish 1 Peter 2 1 we started off with Jesus talking to Peter about the church and this next next passage 
is going to reveal to you that Peter got it. He understood what Jesus was talking about. We may have messed it up, but Peter understood it. Let's have a look at what he says. 1 Peter 2.1 Therefore, laying aside, by the way, mum and dad and all our family are back in church now. Praise God. And they have been for the last 10, 12, I can't remember, a long time now. And so just getting back to that point, I've seen what happens when you plant it and how a family can go from glory to glory in every area of their life. I've seen what happens when we're out for a decade and how Satan can smash us to pieces and what can happen if we'll come back. Amen? So I encourage you. And maybe be thinking about that with your family and friends and people that are outside of church. It's important that you talk to them and that you love them and and we don't condemn them and we don't judge them, but we love them and, and hopefully inspire them to get back into church. Amen? Jesus loves the church. 1 Peter 2, 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Quick show of hands. Who has tasted that the Lord is gracious? This is relevant to you then. And if you haven't, hang around. He's tasty. You'll love it. Hang around, I promise. Coming to Him as to a living stone. Everyone say living stone. Why is that important? Remember, rock, little stone, little rock. Upon this rock, mass rock, Petra. I'll build my church. And now you can tell He got that revelation because now He's saying, teaching the church that you are also living stones. Founding stones. And now we're built upon those founding stones with Jesus being the chief cornerstone. We're living, we're alive, but we're to be together, fitly framed together, in fact. Coming to Him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. That's who you are. You're precious in His sight. You're chosen. And He wants to build you up. He wants to build the church, but you are the church. And as an individual living stone, He wants to build you up. He's interested in building people, seeing people fulfill their destiny and call on their life while they're on this earth. Amen? You also as living stones are being built. It's pretty hard to be built if you're out on your own. A living stone that's supposed to be fitly framed together if you're just scattered. It's a rabble. He doesn't want to rabble. He wants to build. Enemy wants us to rabble and scattered. But Jesus wants to build us, amen? You also, as living stones, are being built as a spiritual house, house, a holy priesthood, to offer up, offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It's not going to be easy being a part of the church. Sometimes it feels easier to not be, especially when God's trying to grow you and build you and work character and patience and all of those things that are often built through uh, imperfect people and imperfect circumstances and trials and tests. So it's often a sacrifice. There'll be seasons where it's blissful and seasons where it's like, oh my goodness, this is tough. Why am I doing this again? <laughs> uh, I'm a minister. I've been through a lot of the good, the bad and the ugly. But we're still here because we have learned the bigger picture. We're still here. We're still fighting. We're still swinging and we're going to go through it all the way through. 
Because he who endures until the end shall be saved. Amen? We want to see as many in heaven as we can. So we're being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is my last passage now. Ephesians 2.19. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members. Everyone say members of the household of God. Now here we don't have like a signing membership thing, but in some ways we ask people that you'd sign with your hearts to become a member of his local house, a member of his church, and certainly a member of the wider church. Amen. And we see here that word being used, members. We're members of one another and we're members of the household of God. Why is that important? Well, if you think about a member, it's more than just an attendee. Do we have any members here of any AFL clubs? You're a member of the footy. What team? Crows, I won't hold that against you. Hey, that's a good effort. Do you get many games here in Melbourne? Five games? But a member is a lot more of a sacrificial requirement, right, than just turning up whenever you want. And so in the football, the clubs are constantly saying, we need members, not just attendees, we need members. So in that setting, if it's important to a football club, how much more important is it for for the citizens of heaven who are fighting a real fight? It's not a game with a, a bit of leather and air as much as I love the footy. It's... It's something way more powerful and way more important. He's looking for members, people that are sold out, that are 100% committed to the household of God, committed to bringing the kingdom to your workplace, to every area, because you are the church, not just limited in this space. The church is 24-7. Wherever you are, the church goes with you. And He's looking for members, amen, of the household of God. Verse 20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together, everyone say fitted, or fitly framed, some translations say, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So it's important that you're fitted and that you find your place. I believe God wants to help you find your place this morning. If you're feeling a little on the outer, He wants to bring you in and help you to find your place. Your place can look like a lot of different things, and that's the way we want it to be. Amen? This message, yes, is geared around this local church, but it's applicable to every area of our life in finding our place, our destiny, our purpose. Not separate from the church, we're building the church. When you're in your marketplace, in the workplace, you're building the church. Did you know that? Everywhere you go, we're building the church. We're extending the kingdom of God. So I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to remind you of the points that we looked at. Number one, church is God's idea. Number two, He wants you to flourish. And number three, it's important that you find your place, that we're fitted together. I'm going to give you three quick ABC points. Some of this may have gone over your head. We went a little bit deep somewhat into the Greek and we unpacked some things, which is great. But maybe you're new and some of it may be totally new. And you're like, I didn't understand a whole lot of that, but I kind of get some of it. Here's an ABC that can really help. But it's helped me 
and I hope it helps you too. And especially around the topic of being planted and finding a place, being a member, loving the church, honoring the church, esteeming the church because it's God's idea and He loves the church. So A stands for attend. It's important that we attend a gathering. In the book of Acts, it said they, they met weekly. It says that when Paul was addressing and teaching the church, he said, when you meet, not if, when you meet. Congregation, assembly, all words that help to describe the church. A, attend. B, we take it a step further. And it's not just an att- attending, but he wants you to be, belong. And, and to belong, that means, the way I see that is relationships. Building relationships with one another. Maybe connecting with a small group. Sometimes in a big setting like this, it's difficult to go deep in connecting with relationships, but that's why we have a number of different small groups and various other ministries throughout the week to help people connect and to belong to one another because we are the church and we love one another, amen? We build family. And C, contribute, and you can probably add the word commitment in there as well. We need laborers, soldiers, mums, dads, aunties, uncles, family, and army. But Jesus is looking for people to contribute because He wants to build His house. He wants to build His church. Amen? So A, attend. B, belong. C, contribute. And I think it's relevant. This message was burning on my heart. I didn't just preach it because we're doing the double services. But I think it's just interesting timing that, you know, we've got this whole new space now that we want to build again. And we're not, Jesus said, as I said before, He didn't say, I want to maintain my church I want to uh, just manage the church. He wants to build the church. How's he going to build the church? We're his arms and feet. We're his body. Amen. We want to see our family saved, man. We want to see our friends saved, our colleagues. We work together to do that. Amen. All right. I'm going to call the ministry team up if you're ready to go. And we want to pray for you this morning. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this one or for other information, check out our website at firechurch.com.au.